Welcome to Careers in Discovery, your window into the world of leaders in pharma and biotech, brought to you by Singular Talent, making hiring better for organizations involved in drug discovery and R&D. This week, I was delighted to welcome to the show Kristin Albright, Vice President of Business Development and Translational Research at Precarium, who shared the story of her career spanning big pharma, biotech, venture capital, and even working with startups in East Africa. I'm here with Kristen Albright of Precarium. Kristen, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, some of our listeners will be familiar with Precarium um, from, from Ted's interview back at the beginning of the year, but, but some may not be. For those who aren't, can you tell us a bit about the company and the, the work that you're doing there? Sure. So Precarium is a venture-backed company located here in London, mm-hmm. United Kingdom. And really what we're doing is focusing on genetically modifying uh, bacteria um, for delivery of different antigens and vaccine development as mm. well as immunotherapies. Oh, very interesting and the immunotherapy is quite a new part of the business I believe. Correct yeah we're, we're still early stages in vitro and mm-hmm. vivo work ongoing um, really looking at there's a new field called microbial immunotherapy Okay. Um, that we're really interested in pursuing. Yeah can you can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what it entails and how it looks? Yeah, so in in the oncology field, uh, many of the current therapies are really struggling to actually get inside a tumor. So when you describe a tumor, a lot of times you say it's hot or cold. Mainly that refers to the immune system. Mm -hmm. So the idea here is, particularly with our platform, is using salmonella. Salmonella love the hypoxic environment. So hypoxia meaning uh, lack of oxygen or low oxygen levels. So the idea here is our bacteria or other companies focus on microbial immunotherapies are trying to get their bacteria into the tumor to then stimulate the immune system mm. or also potentially even deliver cargo. Mm. Okay, and you, you feel salmonella's a strong delivery mechanism for that? Potentially. Yeah, okay. And I take it it's, when you say it's engineered salmonella, is with the sharp edges taken off. No, yeah, so so that's that's quite a bit of uh, proprietary information here at Precarium. Okay, fine, yeah. yeah. But yes. Yeah, okay. Um, And your role there, Kristen, is you are the Vice President of Business Development and Translational Research. So tell us a bit about that. That must be a broad role with with lots of things going on in it. Yeah, so quite a mouthful in the title. Um, So I joined Precarium actually last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was previously at a venture capital firm in the US focused on investing in early stage technologies, mainly out of universities. Um, I joined Precarium in the BD role and business development for the, the audience that's not familiar with it is really a role, a uh, generalist role. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to describe unless you're in BD. Uh, BD and pharma, so large companies, tends to be a little bit different, more focused on either in licensing, yeah. out licensing, or a certain therapeutic area. Mm. BD at the biotech level is a more generalist role such that not only do I help with budgeting and forecasts, I look at in licensing, mm. I look at out licensing, I look at partnering, grant opportunities, investor pitch decks, raising capital, and so on and so forth for the BD portion of my role. Sure. So that's just for the BD portion. <laughs> and then you look after translational research as well. Yes. So translational research, I've, I've previously led large projects in pharma. Mm-hmm. So I previously led a, a hemophilia program uh, almost through launch uh, at a company called Emergent Biosolutions yep. that spun out to now a company called Aptivo. Sure. 
Um, with that, uh, having a medical and clinical background, I helped manage some of the project of in licensing or acquiring an asset, mm-hmm. such that you transition an asset from a BD perspective from a, a outside group uh, into your company. Yeah. And that requires quite a bit of uh, changing of the manufacturing, changing of the clinical regulatory yes. work ongoing. So my role in BD has actually been quite translational, such that bringing assets in and out of the company. Mm-hmm. And I've seen quite a bit. So my translational part is actually focused on bringing our preclinical asset, a vaccine candidate for yeah. the developing world, into the clinic. Yes, I see. Okay, so so I suppose you're starting with um, identifying opportunities for partnering or in-licensing or, or various different types of collaborations and then developing those into bringing drugs through to the clinic and bringing compounds through to the clinic, including the ones that you've already got. Correct. in the pipeline okay so a nice broad role you get to see lots of external activities and lots of what's going on in the market um, I'll come back to that a bit later and, and ask you about what you do see out there um, one of the reasons I was really keen to have you particularly on the show Kristin is because you've um, you've taken uh, not the usual route I guess through your career so far um, which I'm always interested to hear about but to start right back at the beginning and I always start here um, can you tell us a little bit about your early memories of being interested in science and, and what it was that sparked an interest in, in the scientific world and led to the career that you have today? So I knew you were going to ask this. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to have a think about this. Sure. And surprisingly, it wasn't science, actually, okay. that, that, that made me interested in, I guess, pharma, biotech, or what I'm doing today. There was two things. It's I love puzzles. Yeah. And I love building things. Okay. So if you put those two together in the biotech world and you actually look at the human body itself, we Mm. are our own puzzle. And today we're still trying to figure out new therapies that work. Yes. Um, So to me, it was more more the idea of you have this puzzle, you have a problem, you have a disease. Mm. You know, how do you solve that Um, was something that made me more more interested in the the biotech area. Yeah, I see. I see. And one of the things that I see a lot out there at the moment is that we're increasingly getting different tools more more effective tools to try and solve some of these puzzles and also expand the space that we're able to to target with drugs and and things like that what do you see out there on that front it's never ending um on the vc (laughs) side i I guess i could speak to this a little bit more from my my being an investor side sure um you know you can't just look at a tumor as a tumor nowadays um Multiple tumor types have same mutations, so some, some, for instance, clinical programs are focused on all comers trials, so mm-hmm. all tumor types come into the trial because they have the same mutation. Um, it's really hard just to say we're, we're working on X tumor or X cancer nowadays. You really have to dig in and understand that the biology behind what you're yes. working on, um, and it's not simple. No, of course. And so this this original interest in um, solving puzzles, building things. T- talk to me about that. Talk to me about how that then developed and how that led to to studying science and and working on more more scientific problems. Yeah, I guess I guess that that comes into to play my my interest in international um, development mm-hmm. and kind of why I was interested in precarium. So you have puzzles. You want to build things. I've always wanted to build a bridge. One okay. Day I will. Okay. Um, but r- really, looking at science in of itself is there's there's never a hundred percent of anything, and mm. there's never a hundred percent solution to anything. 
so so when I was younger, um, obviously you do small experiments. Um, but what I was more interested in, in how many times or how many experiments you could run to get the same 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 answer. Yes. So for me, the puzzle, the, the building, the science, all kind of came together when I uh, studied for pharmacy school. And pharmacy really focused on pharmacology, so the interaction of uh, a drug in the, in the body. Mm -hmm. And you also understand how it works, but you also understand why it doesn't work or side effects that drugs cause. Um, so, so understanding the puzzle, you're building drugs, you're creating new uh, therapies, and you want to make sure that there's the safest therapies out there. Yes. Okay. So that led to you studying pharmacology and pharmacy, and, and that's where the, the sort of interest was directed, I suppose. Tell us about what happened then, you know, tell us about the journey so far. Yeah, so after, during pharmacy school, um, I always had an interest again in, in development. So I, I was actually offered an internship at AstraZeneca. Okay. But I turned it down. Okay. To work on a Native American reservation in the United States. Okay. And really seeing how these therapies and such impact a local population. Mm -hmm. um, so I've always had an interest in, in understanding the, the patient side of it, the commercial side, understanding how these therapies impact. Um, later on, I did some internships at the FDA. Mm -hmm. After pharmacy school, I joined uh, Centacor, a J&J company. Yes. Um, to do a fellowship there, uh, working on uh, their, their drug Remicade. Mm -hmm. um, very interesting, but again, a little bit disconnected from the end, end user, the business side or, or the patient side of it. Mm. So throughout my career, you can quickly see that I was always interested in business, always interested in how you actually take something early and bring it actually to the end user or okay. the patient. So as you see my career, it'll continually progress to earlier stage therapies. Yeah. Um, helping scientists really translate what work they're doing in the lab and how that can help uh, patients mm -hmm. in the world. So it was all about the impact and all about how you, like you say, how you take things from the lab into, into the real world and how that then impacts the, the populations that, that are treated by it. Yes. Okay. And then what about venture capital? How did that happen? How did you get into that? <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so previous, before joining a, the, the VC firm I was at in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. it's a Philadelphia-based firm, I worked in business development. So early yes. at a, a publicly traded company in the, the United States called Emergent Biosolutions. And Emergent was always acquisition happy, I would say. So okay. we're always looking to, to acquire uh, different assets. So I ran quite a bit of due diligence, both from a regulatory, finance, commercial, marketing, built many MPV models, many patient forecast models, mm -hmm. and learned, learned forecasting pretty much in and out, um, as it's a large part of due diligence process. After about four years at Emergent, I knew that I kept getting smaller and smaller in my career. So you asked me earlier, what's the trend in my career? Mm. You know, I started off at J&J, &J, and as you can see, I um, worked in the field at Boeing or Ingelheim and King Pharmaceuticals. Yeah. I went to Emergent, and we were quite a small company. And now at Precarium, a company of 14. Yes. So, so it was almost too big for me, to be honest. Um, I wanted to do from the start to the finish of every deal. And I wanted okay. to actually see uh, the finance side, the business side, the scientific side of every deal. Mm. And when you're in a large organization, it's quite tough. Um, so I was networking within the Philadelphia community. Mm -hmm. And I came across a firm that was hiring for an associate. Yes. And I interviewed and I got the position. Fair enough, fair enough. And you felt that would give you more oversight of the whole deal and the whole life cycle at the time. 
and surprisingly, it's it's actually not that. Okay. Yeah. So so VC, um, you do quite a bit of due diligence. Yes. But the due diligence is similar for every deal almost. So mm-hmm. you'd ask the same questions, um, whether it's an early stage deal. All early stage deals have the same issues usually. Yes. Um, clinical stage deals have the same issues, and such. The nice thing about venture is you have your pulse on everything going on in the market, um, or in, in university labs, for instance. Mm-hmm. You get to see multiple targets for a, a different type of tumor. You get to see um, really broad range of, of uh, scientific founders that right. are really like pushing the limits of what can actually be done mm-hmm. in science, and yeah. some crazy startups that are that are pursuing <laughs> that. Um, so, so VC was a little bit different um, than I had expected, actually, mm. such that it was um, very similar on a day-to-day basis. You did one deal, and then they would ask, what's the next deal? Right. And so you tended to move on, and you didn't get to build. Okay. Fair enough. So whereas maybe some of the partners would go and sit on the boards and work with the companies and things like that, it was the next deal for you? Always. Yeah. Okay. And then... Was it straight from there to Precarium, or was there anywhere in between? So actually, uh, after a few years at the, the venture capital firm, yeah. I decided to uh, take a little bit of a sabbatical. Sure. Um, and I bought a one-way ticket down to South America. Wow. And I ended up traveling around the world for about 18 months. Fantastic. So my do- idea here, and you could see again, a trend in my, my background is I love business, I love puzzles, I love building things. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to work within the international startup community and see what it is like business outside the United States, right. Europe, and UK. Yes. And how did you get involved with Precarium then? What was the what was the route to that? So I spent quite a bit of my travels uh, throughout Africa, mm-hmm. helping some startups in Kigali, Rwanda, um, and I was really interested in understanding how we could translate what we're doing here in developed countries and help yeah. other countries. Yeah. So Precarium's lead program is actually a vaccine uh, against enteric fever, sure, so a yes. disease caused by Salmonella paratyphi A mm-hmm. and typhi. And the vaccine uh, is moving into clinical, it's the one I'm actually working on. So when I firstly uh, met the CEO, Ted Fielman yeah. of Precarium, he told me about this global health program. And most people would probably run <laughs> away. I actually was very excited to, to have the opportunity to work on a program that can help um, bridge the, 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 the income disparity we see in these countries because they are affected, individuals are affected by these diseases that were not affected in the developed world. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, that must have been a very different experience. Just going, before we move on to Precarium, just going back to working with startups in Rwanda, that must have been very different to what you were used to in Philadelphia. What, you know, what was that like? What were the big differences? Tell, tell me all about it. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, talent is always an issue, surprisingly, mm. in a lot of these countries. Um, you hear corruption and agree. Um, but the idea here is, is there is this whole market, particularly, for instance, Africa continent, that we tend to ignore, mm-hmm. where a large population of the entire world lives. Yes. And they tend to do business and, and are very successful in the business that they do. Um, the individual I was helping was a, a fintech guy trying to bring um, money from, uh, Canada, um, back into Rwanda, um, and although he's most likely might not be successful because he's obviously going up against the larger banks. Yes. What I did learn uh, working with him is there's this idea of microfinance and understanding how you give a little money to a community 
they could start their own business and mm-hmm. it actually helps them learn and hire other individuals within the community. Yes, I see. And uh, anything that surprised you about East Africa and, and the, the work you were doing out there? No, I mean, the people are lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I would definitely uh, consider even living there. Really? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting market, per se. Um, but it's, it's almost, the countries are, are starting to build up their own manufacturing capabilities. It's going to be mm. the most important thing for them. Yes. Yeah, the infrastructure, obviously, is, is going to be key. So that's, there's a lot of things that we've covered there. <laughs> <laughs> um, Very diverse uh, background. Yeah, absolutely, which is, which is fantastic. And, you know, really, a lot of what this, this podcast is about is about, you know, what careers are available for people uh, as scientists moving into the industry or thinking about their career. So it's fantastic that you've done such a broad range of things. And, and I guess thinking about that journey from J&J through to sort of mid-sized companies, through to venture capital, through to traveling around the world, through to, through to a, a company like Precarium, which is much smaller, and I'm sure you, you're very hands-on um, with the work that you do there. How, how have you had to develop, and what are the key things that you've had to learn through, through that experience? Yeah, so something I, I didn't realize is, is again, previously I, I lived and worked mainly in the United States. Right. Um, culture is a big thing, mm-hmm. even here in the UK. Um, there, there's quite a big different culture, even though we speak the same language. Yes. So culture was, is quite a shock against um, both developed and undeveloped countries, was, the, I think, the biggest thing. Um, but mainly through my career, I would say knowing when to leave and knowing when to move on. Okay. But yet taking what you can learn the most from a situation. Mm. So not every job I had I loved. But I learned quite a bit, both from the individuals as well as the, the company itself. Yes. So I, I guess what I look at is when I was, for instance, uh, always volunteering for something that you didn't know mm-hmm. and taking that away at your next position. So always building upon your skills yes. into your next role to be valuable for the next company. Yes, I see. I see. And you mentioned something there that's quite a difficult skill, actually, is um, knowing when to leave. And now when it's time to move on, any advice on that? Any tips that you'd give around that? Can't, can't say anything. The CEO won't, <laughs> <laughs> won't be happy. Um, no, I, I, I guess the, the tip for, for myself is um, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I had left my venture capital job, which people still today think I was crazy because they think it's the best job in the world. Yeah. And we definitely need investors. It's, mm-hmm. it's an important part of the ecosystem in biotech. But it wasn't for me. Um, leaving it, uh, coming to the UK and networking to, to try and find something that married up my, my international experience, which is global health, mm. with my background in science and biotech. And it was a risk, but it always pays off. Everything always works out. Yeah. So I highly recommend um, people networking with individuals that they're interested in their background or their experiences mm-hmm. and building a relationship with those individuals to see how they can help. Yeah. And, and any top networking tips? Oh, <laughs> my favorite part of my job. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that the tip that I, 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 someone had given me early in my career is we're all in the same boat. Mm. You walk into a networking event alone. You don't know anyone. Yeah. But also other people don't know anyone. So we're always all in the same boat. And 
if you go there long enough to the same event, you will get to know people, yes. and you'll actually create your own little group within that network. Mm -hmm. You might not network with the entire room of 200, but you'll always have those go-to close individuals that you'll look to both in the, the your career as well as doing business with later on. Yes. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. I think everyone thinks that everyone else at these things is really competent at them and really loves them and, and really enjoys them, and the reality is that everyone is sitting there wondering what to say to the person next to them, isn't it? Um, so um, your your career then has developed through through pharma and biotech as as kind of the theme, I suppose. You've looked at it from a lot of different angles, but that's been the central the central theme of your career. Um, why are you excited by the sector? What is it that you enjoy about working in this sector? Well, it changes so rapidly. Yeah. Um, you know, I look back at my, my pharmacy school days. We didn't learn anything about CAR T therapies. Right, right. It wasn't even a topic. Yes. Um, so it's really fun to be in an industry that's always evolving. Um, some brilliant minds creating amazing science that sometimes we look today as, as crazy, mm -hmm. but it might be a solution to, to problems we currently have. Um, so you get to work with amazing people, amazing science. And personally, I, I like translating stuff for people. So I've always been the type that I might not be the subject matter expert, mm -hmm. but if you pair me with a, a scientist that exactly knows what they're doing, I think we work well together to mm. really bring their ideas um, to the market or to the clinic. Actually, that's pretty far for us. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> One day. One day. One day. Um, and you're, you've also sort of touched on this a little bit as well, that, that your career has increasingly had a business aspect to it or a, a commercial aspect to it um, from, you know, sort of the very scientific roles early on to, to where you are today. Um, I know you did an MBA as well, so that probably helped you to learn that. But if, if people are sort of mystified by the commercial side, if there's scientists out there who feel like it's just a foreign world to them, what would you say to them and how would you sort of advise that they start to, to explore that side of the business? I think it goes back to the networking question. Right. I mean, we, we aren't born knowing how to forecast or mm -hmm. how to create market models or understanding commercial. It's really finding a mentor. So I got into business development. I was in medical affairs, so more clinical. And uh, the vice president of business development at the organization I was at needed help with some due diligence, which I started helping him with. Mm -hmm. And after a few months, I actually walked in his office and said, would you hire me? And he did. Okay. It's my first role into business development. Fantastic. And, and the gentleman is now my uh, mentor today. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, is you think you're not a right fit, but surprisingly in business development or business side, having the science background is so valuable. Yes. When you're building a patient forecast, for instance, understanding how many doses a, a th therapy a patient needs, um, side effects and why patients might be off a of medication. I mean, um, even looking at early stage MPV models, mm -hmm. understanding the, the probability of getting to market based on your, your current therapy. I mean, people underestimate the knowledge of science in business is yeah. absolutely valuable. Yeah, and I think um, what I hear a lot is that the way you're taught to think as a scientist is very useful applied to business contexts in the, the sort of analytical approach and looking for data and looking for evidence rather than necessarily just going on gut feeling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> of course, there's a place for that. But yeah, okay. Um, in looking out to, to the market as a whole, I suppose, and, and um, the 
the pharma and biotech world as it is today, you mentioned um, sort of how quickly it evolves. And I think particularly, I know your role is probably broader than just the UK, but particularly in the UK, we see lots of new technologies, lots of new approaches and, and modes of therapy and things like that, that that have huge potential. And a lot of them are very early stage, but it's very exciting. Anything particularly that you see out there that you're really excited about? To be honest, uh, you know, looking at the, the current market, you're always going to see oncology being the number one sure. thing. Um, cardiovascular quite quickly behind. Um, and it will be that way. If you mm -hmm. look at the disease burden of both, both from a payer perspective as well as from a, a personal perspective, and uh, it, they will always be the most funded for the next few years. Mm -hmm. um, I think what's the most interesting part is what you're seeing both pharma, biotech, uh, Procarium is one of the companies, is people being more uh, social responsibility, having more social responsibility okay. to what they're doing. Um, we're currently working with some foundations, yes, um, helping with our programs, who not only are funding global health, but they're also looking into helping oncology. Because mm -hmm. oncology, uh, people affected by cancer, it's not just in the developed world. It's the whole world is affected by cancer. Yes. So I think you see more groups uh, either looking for funding or also using some of their therapies and, and looking other places to use them. Mm -hmm. So looking beyond the commercial aspects and looking at how can we have greater impact and, and how can we help more people, I guess, essentially. Yes. And looking forward now, I suppose, um, What's next for Procarium? What does the future hold for you as a business? And well, if you're an investor looking for the podcast, we're raising money. <laughs> Good. <laughs> as always, um, I think biotechs. If, if you talk to, if speak to a biotech not raising capital, mm -hmm. there's something wrong. Yeah. Uh, we could always spend more. We could always move more quickly. Um, obviously, um, at, at uh, science is limited by experiments, but um, there's a lot you can do. Yes. So Procarium will be raising our Series B this year. Um, hopefully close this year, early next year. Mm -hmm. This is a, it's a large pivotal point for Precarium such that we'll be using the capital to, to develop some of the, the key animal experiments to prove our technology and platform. Yes, I see. So a key time for the, for the business. Exactly. Yeah. Um, taking it back to careers, which is the, the title of the podcast and the subject of the podcast, um, and you've probably touched on some of this already, but... Um, if someone's out there listening early in their career in the sector or maybe finishing up their PhD or, or thinking about a move into the industry, um, what advice would you give them? What would be the key thing that, that you'd point out as something to bear in mind, I suppose? I would say um, don't be afraid to take a risk. Um, there's lots of careers out there within science. We always think science is a chemist standing behind a the white lab coat with mm. a beaker and a flask, right? Science is data science now. So in the biotech industry, we're always looking for bioinformatics, data scientists to help us with yes. the large data sets we have. Agriculture has its own science set. Biofuels, I mean, science, we can't just limit it to biotech. Mm -hmm. um, science is quite broad. But don't take, if you're interested in the business side, you could either go back for an MBA, but also be interested in the business side from where you are today. Mm. Reach out to individuals that, um, could either mentor you or maybe even know of a position that, that they're looking for your talent. Mm -hmm. And volunteer and put your hand up. I, I'm the first one to always volunteer. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I think that's, that's a, a good piece of advice to leave it on, Kristin. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Tom.
Thanks for joining us on Careers in Discovery. And don't forget to subscribe for more insight into the world of drug discovery and R&D. Do take a look at our sponsors, Singular Talent, and their mission to make hiring better for companies and individuals in drug discovery and R&D. You can find them at www.singulartalent.io. See you next time.